Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Hey, this is Kevin James. You've tuned into the Millennium Beat. I am so glad that you're here. I have a new friend that we're going to be doing on Ecamm Live, an interview, and she's going to be talking about her life and things that have gone on. So let's get right to it and thank Sherry Jones. Sherry, thank you very much for uh, being here with us. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much cool. for inviting me. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. So let's go into the first question. Basically, talk about your life, where you started from, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Asking you more that the Lord will lead us to questions and some great topics. All right. Exactly. Exactly. We always let the Holy Spirit flow. Right. Um, well, as um, Kevin said, I'm Sherry Jones, and I was raised in Mullen, South Carolina. It's a small little town in um, here in South Carolina. Um, but when I was 11 years old, I actually found out that I was adopted. Um, so at that point in time, up until that point, I was a um, only child until I was 10. And then my cousin came to live with us um, because she lost her mom. And so my life was, you know, going, you know, pretty okay. Um, I always struggled a little bit with self-esteem. Um, because I just didn't feel pretty and and all of those things. And back in those days, it was a certain look, you know, that was considered pretty, you know, right. fair skin, long hair, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't fit that mold. Um, but I was excited when my cousin came to live with us because I was no longer an only child. I had someone to play with. So that was fun. Um, but then at 11, things shifted because my parents were going through a divorce. And at that time, my mother decided it was time to let me know that I was adopted because, um, as she said it, she didn't want me to learn the wrong way. She didn't right. want someone to come and tell me, you know, because of the divorce. So um, we were walking. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were just walking to the store and we were on our way home. And she says, you know, you're adopted. And at first I started laughing. I was like, you cutting up. What do you mean? <laughs> you know? And she was like, no, I'm serious. And so that really took a lot for me to process uh, because at that point I felt like, well, has my whole life been a lie? You know, you're not my mom. My dad's not my dad. You know, my cousin's not even my cousin. Like I'm right. not, how, where do I belong? How do I fit in? So from that point, that kind of started feelings of rejection, um, feeling like, okay, well, you know, what did why did my birth parents want me? Why did they, you know, I felt, well, maybe they just threw me away. And um, when I got a little older, I decided that I wanted to know a little more about my birth parents. Now, my, my uh, mom, she really wasn't feeling that too much. She was a little resistant to it. <laughs> she was like, no, you know, you're my child. And, and, and I understand that now as a mom, I can kind of relate to how she may have felt. Uh, right. She felt that I was rejecting her, but that was not my purpose. I really just wanted to know a little more. And so I did receive some um, non-identifying information about my birth parents. And I found out that um, they decided together that adoption was the best thing for me. And a lot of it was financial. At the mm -hmm. time, my mother, um, she had, um, I have two brothers. 
Uh, mind you, I have not met my birth family. I just know this from the information. So I had two brothers and she was already struggling on public assistance. And so, and then my father, he was older, though he really wasn't in a position to take me. And they said, well, maybe, you know, we'll put her up for adoption and she'll get, you know, a good family. You know, right. that's, that's what I'm believing they felt, <laughs> you know, I don't know, yeah. um, but I believe that's what they were hoping for. And so um, when I learned that it, it helped a little bit, you know, I still kind of had questions. I still went through that period of, well, mom, you didn't fight for me. You know, right. you had my brothers, but you didn't fight for me. And so all of that kind of played into feelings of um, low self-esteem. As I said, I already had low self-esteem because I didn't feel that I fit in. I didn't have a lot of friends. And then finding out that I was adopted just kind of piled on top of that. And um, it was it was just a real struggle. And I spoke a lot of negativity to myself because of that. I, you know, was constantly thinking, you're not good enough. Uh, you're not going to, you know, make anything of yourself. And then my mom, she was a educator. So she was very, very strict on getting those good grades and making sure that, you know, I was getting the education that I need. And, and at the time, you know, I was like, she was a little hard, but in hindsight, I understand why she wanted me to have that education because education is important. And one thing about it is no one can take from you what you know. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I could take anything from me, but you can't take from me what I know. And um, and so I excelled in school um, the entire time I was in school. I think I made one C and you would have thought I made an F. <laughs> you know, it was this big commotion because I brought the C home on my report card and I felt bad about it. Um, but I was the type of person, you know, I, I just really wanted to push myself. And a little bit with that low self-esteem, I kind of validated myself through my education and through the fact that I was smart because I didn't feel like I had anything else going for me. So at least I can show people that I'm smart. Right. Um, and then I started kind of blossoming, blossoming when I was in high school. Okay. Um, I shot away a little bit from the awkwardness. Um, you know, I started developing and, and getting attention. Um, you know, from the male species right. and that made me feel a little like, okay, you know, I, you know, I might be kind of cute. I might be all right. <laughs> um, and then I went to college and college was a whole nother world. Um, and I was raised in church. I had the foundation of church. I was saved when I was 12. I worked in church. Uh, my mom made sure that I, you know, was active. And so I was taught, you know, you save yourself for marriage. That's it, right. you know. And so I went to college with that mindset. I, that's This is what I'm going to do. Well, I fell in love. <laughs> and all that went out the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I fell in love and my um, very first boyfriend and we had a, you know, good relationship. But then, you know, things kind of turned and we realized that it just wasn't going to work out and we right. needed to break up. And that was really devastating um, because I had to switch schools. Um, uh -huh. When I first went to school, uh, um, I went to school in North Carolina. And then I went to um, a school here in South Carolina. And and so that shift really affected our relationship. 
And right. so we just we just didn't make it. So throughout college, I still kind of struggled with those esteem issues. Um, and I went through a um, experience um, with acquaintance rape in college. And that really damaged my self-esteem. And then it also with the whole body image thing, you know, I always already felt like, well, you know, I'm getting this attention, but I'm getting the wrong attention. And now here it is someone that's not even listening to what I'm saying. I didn't feel that I had control over my body. And so that led to a real spiral downhill of bad decisions, bad relationships. It, it was just a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. Um, and then even after that, after I graduated college, um, I, you know, I was still trying to move forward and I met a guy and we ended up living together. Wrong decision. <laughs> um, I met him the day he got out of jail. Now that should have told me right there. Yep. Why you get into a relationship with somebody that just got out of jail? But, you know, at the time, I guess maybe I wanted that bad boy. Um, you know, maybe I just thought, okay, I'm shedding away this country girl naive thing. I want to be with this guy. And um, our relationship was just dysfunctional, just dysfunctional. And it culminated in... Um, domestic violence. It was a situation where we kind of got into a little tussle and he um, choked me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I felt that um, my life was over. I couldn't breathe. Uh, and he let me go. In hindsight, it was kind of symbolic of me gaining my voice back. Because when he, because everything that I went through at that point, the low self-esteem, the rape, the, you know, not feeling good about myself, I was just slowly but surely losing my voice and losing myself. But then in that moment when he let me go, it was like I found my fight. I found um, myself. And, you know, I yelled, I screamed, I said some not so churchy words um, and things like that. But um, I was able to move on from that because I was able to move right away. I called my dad. I was like, I'm, you know, I can't be in this situation anymore. I was already getting ready to move. But my dad came and got me that day. And then I moved basically into the area that I live in now. But after that, it, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of um, prayer. It took a lot of seeking God. It took a lot of internal work to um, build myself back up and to realize that I was worth more than that. I was worth more than all of these things that I had experienced and that I had worth beyond what I could see. And one of the um, scriptures I always lean on is where the Lord tells us that we're wonderfully and fearfully made. Um, And I took the time to really research that um, because I thought about like we say this all the time. um, We're wonderfully and fearfully made. But exactly what does that mean? And um, wonderfully means to delight in. So that means that when God made us, he made us in a way that he delights in. He made us for his delight. He loves us. 
he's excited about his work, what he did with us. And then fearfully means with reverence. So that means he took his time when he molded us. He molded us perfectly, exactly the way that he wanted us to be. And so when we look at ourselves in a negative way, or we look at our circumstances and we equate who we are based on what we've been through, it's almost like spitting in the face of God. It's almost like telling him that his work means nothing. And when I really came to understand that and really started to see myself through the eyes of God and not through my eyes, not through who I thought I was, not through my experiences, then I really came to an understanding of speaking life. And, and that's my whole platform. Um, mm. That's why Sherry Speaks Life. I want people to understand the power of their words and to actually make speaking life a lifestyle right? because it goes beyond just saying something nice about yourself and, and you keep it moving. It's a daily process. And I can say for me, it's definitely a daily process. Um, but I'm to the point now where I can look in the mirror and say, I love Sherry Jones. Sherry Jones is the bomb, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I used to couldn't do that. I used to could not do that. And and that's definitely something that I want everyone that may be viewing this now or listening now. You need to be able to look in the mirror and say, I am the bomb, right. whoever you are. And it's because God made you. And we always used to say, um, I may be dating myself, but I don't even know if they say that anymore. But people would say, God don't make no junk. Right. He doesn't. He does not make junk. No, and no. so if he made you and you're still here and you're still in the land of the living, then um, he made you for a plan and a purpose. And so um, that's kind of where um, things really started moving for me. I um, I eventually did get married. I found um, a wonderful man. Uh, we'll be married 15 years, actually okay. on the 26th. And um, our love story was like a whirlwind because we met and married in the same day. Um, I mean, in the same year, excuse me. But the the process before that, um, and that's one thing with you know the, the singles, I can relate to un, to feeling like you'll never get married, feeling like nobody will ever want you, nobody will ever love you, especially with you know the experiences that I had previously with other relationships. I was in a place where I felt like nobody would want me. <clears throat> but then I heard this sermon and she and the minister was talking about soul ties. Yeah. And she was talking about how when we connect with people, especially on an intimate level, our souls are entwined with that person. And in order for you to really break free and and receive who God has for you, you have to break those soul ties. And so that's what I did. I prayed and I said, Lord, I want you to release me from all the soul ties that I've created. And um, I said, I'm going to wait for my husband. I don't care if it takes five, 10, 15 years. Now, you know, I was hoping it wouldn't take that long. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I said to the Lord, look, you know, I'm ready. And um, for me, not not saying this happens for everybody, but within months is when I met my husband. Um, because I just purposed in my mind and purposed in my heart that I was creating those boundaries and I was no longer going to accept less than who I am. Okay. And, um, and so 
I have my wonderful husband and, and we, uh, we have um, three children. I have two bonus son. He's 12. And um, we're just living and loving together. That's cool. One of the questions I was thinking about is um, you were talking about, you don't have to give the city, but what, um, what state are you you're in right now? Oh, I'm in South Carolina. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. So, all right. So, <laughs> so let's go with a little bit. We talked about your life, where you came from and, and your, in your situations. Um, something I was thinking of when you were talking was the fact is I want you, you kind of mentioned a little bit. I want you to look into the camera, talk to a female that might've been in a situation that you went through where um, your two situations, the first one, and then the abusive one in the second one, what would you say to them if they happen to be crossing the internet path and they come across this video and they see you speaking, what would you, um, what would you say, say to them? Um, the first thing I would say is um, related to the the rape. The first thing I would say is it's not your fault. Right. No matter what society tells you or makes you feel, no matter what you had on, no matter what situation you supposedly put yourself in, nothing justifies that. Right. If you said no, no is no. So that's the first thing. Understand that it's not your fault. The second thing is seek help. For me, I did go to a counselor in college and she suggested that I go to group um, therapy. But at the time, I refused group therapy because I thought my situation wasn't the same as some of the other ladies there. You know, and it took me a while to even realize that that's what I had experienced. And so I was like, you know, rape is when they grab you and they push in the bushes. No, no. So get that out of your mind. Whatever happened to you happened to you. And so I would suggest that you speak to someone, speak to a counselor, go to group. Um, For me, what happened is my church actually had the church I belonged to at that time. They had a rape and molestation ministry. And I was able to do the work through that ministry. And um, the lady that led it, she had experienced um, rape when she was a, a child and she walked us through the process. And one thing I can say that was the most healing for me is I had to write a letter um, to my rapist. And in that letter, I forgave him. Now, that's something that takes a while to do. That's not something that you're going to be able to do tomorrow. But forgiveness is not for the other person. It's not, it's, it's for you. And it's not releasing them from what they did. It's not saying that what they did wasn't wrong, but it's releasing you from um, the burden of carrying unforgiveness. Um, So those are the steps I would say. First, understand it's not your fault. Second, um, seek counsel, seek help so that you can process um, through the feelings that you have and know that your feelings are legitimate. Don't let anyone tell you, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. You shouldn't feel that way. They weren't there. They didn't experience it. Only you experienced it. Even if even someone else that was raped as well, their situation is not the same as yours. Right. So um, that's what I would say to that person. Um, as far as someone that has experienced domestic violence, um, it's similar that it's not your fault. 
um, that you need to seek help. And the other thing I would say is that, you know, it sounds cliche. People always say love doesn't hurt. Um, But what I would say is you deserve more than the hurt. Love, not saying the person that you're with, they may love you in some weird dysfunctional way. But if they're hurting you, you don't deserve to hurt. And sometimes I think we're in a position where we feel our self-esteem is so low. We feel this is the best that we're going to get. Right. That there's nobody else out there that's going to love me. There's nobody else out there that's going to care for me. There is someone out there that's going to love you and that's going to care for you. And his name is Jesus. He, He loves you and he's there to wrap his arms around you. And so seek help. Call the domestic violence hotline. Um, find a confidant. Find someone that you can tell that what's going on with you. Um, because one thing I learned um, on my podcast, I interviewed um, a therapist, um, Tracy Dobbins. And one thing she said, what keeps domestic violence going is because it's a secret. It's a secret that we all know. We all know that so-and-so is happening to that person, but we don't know what to do about it. It can't be a secret anymore. You have to tell somebody, either anonymous on the hotline, tell a trusted friend, pastor, somebody what's going on and make a plan to escape. Make a plan to leave that situation because you don't deserve to be there. You deserve so much more. Right. All right. We talked a little bit about your life. Um, we talked about things that have happened. We've talked to people that are might be watching. Okay. Um, you've grown up. You got married. And you had kids and stuff like that. But what's going on in your life now, um, professionally, things that you're doing uh, that people can actually get a hold of you? Okay. Let's, let's go from right. there. Yes. yes. Uh, well, I am an author. Um, I have written two books. Um, my first book is a Christian fiction novel titled Trouble Don't Last Always. Um, and that book follows the journey of a single mom who's struggling with her faith. And struggling with some of the things that, uh, you know, just going through is kind of like um, she's between two guys as a love triangle. There's relationship with her sister that's kind of um, difficult. So she goes through a lot. Um, but in the journey, you learn that trouble don't last always. Um, it's a page turner. Everybody that's read it has enjoyed it. Um, so that's my first book, Trouble Don't Last Always. My second book is called Speak Life Moments. And in Speak Life Moments, it is a 21-day devotional. And in that devotional, I dig deep. I talk about some of the things, you know, what I talked to you all about today that I've been through in my life. Um, But I dig deep into 21 moments in my life that taught me how to speak life. Um, And so even some things that have happened since I've been married with my children, you know, just different things in my life and how they shaped who I am and how they taught me how to make living, uh, speaking life a lifestyle. Um, So that book is um, Speak Life Moments, A Transformational Journey. And both of those books are available on Amazon. Um, Then I am also a speaker. Um, I speak um, different platforms, different conferences. I'm available um, for speaking engagement. So if you have an audience that needs a message of inspiration, that leads, needs a message of speaking life, uh, I am available for that. Then I am also a podcast host. I recently started my podcast uh, just, just this year. 
and it is um, called We Are the Church with Sherry Jones. And it was actually inspired by um, Speak Life Moment video messages that I do. I go live on Facebook on Monday nights. And uh, right now it's nine o'clock, but I'm actually looking to change my time. Um, but you can follow me on Sherry Speaks Life on Facebook and you'll know what that new time is. Okay. Um, but on those videos, um, I share Speak Life moments. And what happened was I shared a moment um, about we are the church, right? When the church is shut down for COVID. Right. And um, that actually inspired the podcast. And so the podcast is available on my website, cherryspeakslife.com. It's also available, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, Anchor. And then lastly, I have added coach to my title. <laughs> um, just as I was able to tell my story in my book, um, tell my story through my speaking, I want to help other writers tell their story as well. And so if you have a story inside of you, if you want to tell your your life, your story of your life, but you're unsure how to get started, you're unsure what parts of your life you should talk about, then um, the How to Speak Life with Your Story coaching program is for you. And I will help you go through that process of understanding what parts of your life you should talk about, how you should talk about them, and ultimately how you can speak life with that story, how you can help and edify other people. And um, you can learn more about that program. You can go to bit.ly forward slash how to speak life and you can learn about that program. That's cool. All right. In closing, I want you to do is um, lift up our audience uh, in prayer. Pray for them a short, as long as you want. Just pray for them and then we'll close the show from there. So why don't you go ahead? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day and we thank you for each and every person that is either watching this broadcast or listening to this broadcast. Lord, you've made them for a purpose. You have a plan for each and every one of us. And so, Lord, we want you to help them to understand their purpose, to understand the plan that you have for them. And for them to not to allow the voices in their head, the thoughts in their mind about who they are, who they think they are, or what other people have told them they are, to hinder them from reaching their destiny in you. They may still be hurting from something someone said to them when they were five years old, and now they're 50, but they're still struggling with that statement. Words do hurt. We thank you for the power to speak life because the power of life and death is in our tongues, but we have the choice to speak life. So Lord, we thank you for that choice. We thank you for the ability to look beyond our circumstances, to look beyond the things that we have been through and to look towards you and what you want to do with all of those experiences because our testimonies are not for us. They are for someone else. And there is someone else out there that needs to hear what we have to say. That's waiting for our testimonies. But sometimes we are too ashamed to share our testimonies. We're nervous. We're fearful about sharing our testimonies. But Lord, I ask you to ease that fear right now. I ask you to comfort those that desire to share their testimonies. We ask that you 
you comfort them and that you give them the boldness and the confidence in you to be able to share your glory through their story. So Lord, thank you for each and every person um, that is listening to this broadcast. We thank you for their households. We thank you for their gifts, their talents, and everything that you have birthed inside of them. And we glorify you through that. We thank you for shaping us and molding us perfectly just the way we are. And Lord, we ask that each and every person that is listening or watching this broadcast can come to the knowledge of loving themselves, loving who they are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. These are many blessings we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, I'd like to thank my guest, Sherry Jones. Sherry, thank you very much for being on the Millennium Beat. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you're watching us on YouTube, to hit that subscribe button and the bell to get notified of any shows that we are going to be broadcasting. So, again, thanks for being here, and we'll catch you guys um, soon on the next Millennium Beat. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat Podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story, so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. guys, this is Ryan Bastris with Wake Ministries, and I wanted to invite you guys first to subscribe, hit that bell button, and then eat, uh, because we're going to be uploading some amazing content, and we want you guys to be notified. We um, uh, just filmed five week series on our identity and our inheritance, the DNA of the kingdom. Uh, it's going to start, videos are going to start first Thursday of December and look for the first video after 6 p.m. on December 3rd, which is the first Thursday of December. Uh, we had a great time filming these. I really believe it's going to be encouragement to you. Hopefully it will be enlightenment, it will be inspiration, and uh, hopefully there's uh, even some conviction that will right shift in life. But uh, again, we did a five-week series, and they're going to be uploaded for five weeks starting December 3rd at 6 p.m. There's going to be future guests as well that will be five-week series, so be on the lookout for that. That's why you're going to want to uh, like or subscribe uh, to the Millennium Beat uh, YouTube channel, because then they will notify you of these videos that are uploading that I've done, but also the videos that others will do. 
future. Uh, so I just encourage you guys to come and hang out. Um, this series on identity and our inheritance uh, hopefully will give you an in-depth look into the heart of God for you and it will encourage you and even shift your perspective of yourself. I'd encourage you guys to start following those videos starting December 3rd at 6 p.m. I bless you guys and hope you enjoy.